These are two of our outstanding students this year. ADS is a 10-month-long discipleship school that our church has run since the very beginning of our church when we started back in the late 90s. And it's a 10-month school where we say, hey, we want to get deep into people's lives. We want to let them hear powerful teachings, have times of prayer, worship, and we want to hold them accountable to living life like Jesus lived. And so these two students have chosen, said yes this year, and they're going to share a quick testimony about what God has been doing in their lives. This is Alex Moger and Andy Cassian. Go for it. Cool. Thanks, Phil. Um, So, yeah, so I got a couple minutes to just share kind of like why I did ADS and then what's been like the impact on my life. Um, Impossible to do in two minutes, so come find me later and I'll give you the 45-minute version. Um, So I did ADS for a couple of reasons. The first one being because I'm sure like a lot of you, I knew people that had done ADS in the past and like, of course, they spoke super highly of it and I was able to like witness kind of the transformation that had gone on in all their lives, like a ton of my friends and all their lives and just see like the way that they had sacrificed and given to the Lord and the, the blessings that he had poured out upon them in return. And I wanted that for myself. I said, man, I want that experience. I want to see that transformation. I want to see that growth, that depth and maturity in my own heart and in my own life. Uh, so that was the first reason. Uh, the second reason was uh, because I really, I don't know, I wanted to discern deeper like what the calling of the Lord is for my own life and my own future. Like I have, I, you know, I have different passions. I felt different callings, but I really wanted to to hone in and focus on, hey, where, where is God leading me, like, specifically, rather than just, like, something that I'm good at or enjoy, which are all great things to discover, but, hey, where am I headed? What's my trajectory? What's my path? Where am I going? And ADS is an amazing place to kind of figure that all out uh, and to, or to start the process of figuring that all out. And so some ways that uh, I've grown and changed over the course of this year, um, I was actually just having this conversation yesterday with one of my roommates, so that's amazing. Thank you, Nolan. Um, but I, so the first thing, something that really surprised me actually was how much of ADS kind of is like on me and on us like as students to really discover for our own. You know, there's a am- ton of really amazing teachings and such that we listen to and that we receive. But that's only like 50% of the time. The rest of it, the Bible reading, the book reading, the discussion, it's all about like how much am I going to be willing to put into it is going to, you know, reflect how much I receive out of it. So if I'm willing to go there into the depths in my Bible study, in my book reading, that I'm able to come out a deeper, like, wisdom and knowledge of who God is and how his love transforms my life. That really surprised me and was just an amazing experience. And uh, the thing that didn't surprise me, probably the biggest draw, in my opinion, for ADS is just the family atmosphere. I love our class so much. Every single one of us, we're, we're all just one big, huge family. Everybody's here today for the first time, too, which is so cool. And I kind of expected that going in, but how can you really expect to, like, get that deep in friendship and in relationship with for me, eight other people, not 11 other people, if you include Phil, Leslie, and Acacia. Just the way that we've really grown together, I would call them, like, my family, like, my brothers, my sisters. I just, I love so much getting to spend time with every single one of them for so many hours during the week. I'm going to miss it a lot when it's gone. But, I mean, the family is forever, right? The friendships that we've made, the relationships, they'll go on forever. Um, and so that's kind of what ADS has been to me. Amen. said my name is Andy and I just moved down in August from the harbor our sister church to do ADS and one of my favorite things that we've done this year have been the retreats that we've gone on we went on one in the fall in September and then we went on a very chilly one in January up in upstate New York Um, and we got a little surprise on our first full day that we were going to be doing an eight-hour personal retreat if you know anything about me that sounds like a terrible idea I was like we're doing what why are we doing this But it ended up being like 
besides playing hockey, like my favorite part of that retreat. Um, I was blown away by how much I had to talk about with Jesus. Like as soon as like pen hit paper, there was just so much that I wanted to talk to him about and so many things like about last year we got to process and what he had for me this year. And one of the prompts that we had was reflecting on a book that we had just finished called Victory Over the Darkness. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10. Um, And um, one of the last chapters we read was talking about like God's love and forgiveness for other people and how he wants us to forgive other people as a part of that. And I was just completely like wrecked by God's love for me um, and God's forgiveness over me. So um, I'm going to read a little excerpt from my journal for you. Um, You keep loving me knowing I don't deserve it. It's not a choice that you made that you regret. It's not a commitment you wish you could back out on, but you can't. You chose this. You chose me. It was like I was an orphan in an orphanage. And knowing everything I would do or say, you chose me to be yours. You still paid the fees and made it legal. And you you came and you brought me home to live with you. And I don't, don't always understand that love or how to accept it but you're patient and you continue to love me and care for me when I rebel um, because I'm yours and that just like it changed my life it changed and every time I think about it I'm like wow like that's who I am and that's who we are Um, and I think that has just been a huge thing that every time I reflect on it I'm like wow like that's I think the biggest thing that the Lord has taught me doing ADS awesome thank you guys you can put it on over there Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Andy. Hey, so um, just a couple of the details about what ADS is. We meet, uh, it's a 10-month commitment. There's about eight hours of class a week. We meet right in the Brighton and Waltham areas, depending on the day. Uh, It is for people that are in full-time work. 90% of the people who have come through the last four years work full-time. So it's not like, hey, I need to pause my life to do this. We're trying to make it amenable to people that are in full-time work, which is most of us here. So uh, if you want to think about praying, about uh, saying, hey, what would it look like for me to commit to this for 10 months? What would it look like for me to expose myself to a community like this, to really have space to process uh, teachings, reading the Bible, uh, being a part of that community piece? I want you to pray about it. That's part of one of my response pieces today is say, hey, God, is this the thing for me next year? All right? And if it is, come talk to myself. Leslie's in the back. Uh, also, Acacia, she's on staff here. Or talk to any of the students that are doing this here. So we are in the midst of a series on Acts right now. Who's been enjoying this series on Acts? Mark taught two weeks ago. Alyssa taught last week. And so I get to continue on. And, and basically, today, I want to be looking at specifically two uh, stories. I'm going to be looking at two encounters with God that two different men had that changed the history of the church and therefore the history of the world. I want to look at one encounter that rerouted a man whose zeal was leading him to kill. And I want to look at another encounter with a man who was, had deep-seated racism in his life that was present in this man in the early church. Both of these encounters are with a loving God who knew these men intimately, loved them deeply, and wanted to work so profoundly through them that he was personally said, I want to meet you. I want to encounter you. Both of these encounters, if you put them together, they were the tipping point for this fledgling, small little sect of Judaism called Christianity to go out into all the world. And now we are the benefactors of that. 
And I believe that both of these stories today focus on this simple yet very profound truth. This is what I want you to remember. God encounters us for the sake of the world. God encounters us for the sake of the world. We'll be looking at Acts 9 and 10, which are the stories of Paul and Peter. And we're going to see how God led these two Jewish men to finally spark the church to fulfill the Genesis 12 and Matthew 28 mandate that God gave to the Jewish people. So real quick, Genesis 12 is when God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, through you, you are going to bless the entire world. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to bring this gospel to all nations, and you're going to disciple all peoples around the world. You see, God's heart and passion is that all peoples, all nations, would have access to relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's God's heart, is that everybody who's living here on, in the world would have, have the ability to hear about relationship with Jesus. He's also passionate that that message would be carried by us, the church, by us, the people of God, that we would carry it. And he cares so much about those two things, the message getting out and that we do it, that he's going to confront areas of our life. He's going to speak into areas of our life, the church's life, so that we'll be willing and able to carry this message to the world. Again, God encounters us for the sake of the world. Leslie and I have had the privilege of leading ADS for the past four years. And in a lot of ways, I'd say that encounters with God are are kind of a summarizing statement of what ADS is all about. Alex said it. We don't force anything. We can't force anything. Basically, we just create an environment for an encounter with God to happen. So different teachers come in, spirit-filled, powerful messages, lots and lots of times of worship and prayer, community where we get to be vulnerable and real and confess our sin to one another, receive forgiveness and say, hey, how are you going to walk out in obedience to Christ? That's the environment that we create in ADS. We're creating places to encounter the love of God and encounter the voice of God to speak into our lives. That's the purpose of ADS. And, and again, the purpose of that is then that we would channel and flow out to the world to say, and this is for everybody now. God encounters us for the sake of the world. We see that in the Bible. We see that all throughout our time in ADS. So, let's get into the two stories. Let me tell the first one. This is the Acts 9, all right? And this is, these are two stories you guys know really, really well. Okay, this is a story of Paul on the road to Damascus. All right, Paul is this zealous man. If I was going to define Paul with one characteristic, it would be zeal. And what does zeal actually mean? Zeal is this energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. So energy or enthusiasm towards a cause or an objective. That's zeal. And Paul, that, that was his life. He was a man of zeal. And see, his zeal was centered around kind of protecting the Jewish faith from everything else. Protecting the Jewish faith from other outside influences. That was his zeal. And so now we come into Acts 9 and he's on this journey to this city called Damascus where basically his objective is to go and kill these new Christians. Kill these people who were starting to believe in who Jesus was. So his zeal for protecting the Jewish faith was leading him to say, hey, I'm going to actually now go kill people to stop this. Okay, so to understand why he was willing to do that, we have to understand a story that he would have known really well from the Old Testament. 
So I'm going to bring us back to Numbers 25. This is a story about the zeal of Phineas. So this is what was happening. The Israelite community, they were going towards the promised land. And one of the tribes that lived near them were called the Moabites. And this is what it says. The men, the Israelites, they began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. So basically, sexual immorality and idolatry was becoming rampant amongst the Israelite community. And it says that God's anger started to burn against his people. He was, he was angry. This zealous God was angry that their focus was going towards other gods. And so a plague starts among the people. So a plague is happening. About 24,000 people die. And in the midst of this plague, it says that this Israelite man basically grabs this Moabite woman and in front of Moses brings her into his tent. Okay, we, we all know what was going to go on there. And then this guy named Phineas enters the picture. And he grabs a spear and follows them into the tent and kills both of them. And it says that the plague immediately stopped. Because it's a pretty intense story, okay? But this is, all, this is a famous story amongst Jewish people because it, okay, this verse that basically came next. The Lord says to Moses, Because Phineas did this, Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, he has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them. Therefore tell him, I am going to make my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God. So this is a famous story of zeal where this man basically says, no more for sin. Our, our community is going to stand for God. That's what, the, that's what the purpose of this story was communicating to the Israelite people. And so Paul knew this story, and he was like, I want to be like Phineas. I want to be a man of zeal that says no more of these other religions, no more of this influence. We are a Jewish faith. And so that's where he's going to Damascus with that in his mind. And so you guys know the story. As he's going to Damascus, this brilliant light shines, knocks him off his horse. He's immediately blinded. And it says that the voice of Jesus says to him, so why are you persecuting me? Why are you going and doing this? You're, you're persecuting me. This is a voice, Jesus speaking to this. And then he says, go into the city, and you're going to meet a man, and he will tell you what to do. So Saul is led by his companions into the city, and this guy named Ananias comes to him and says, hey, brother, Jesus spoke to you on the road. That was Jesus speaking to you. And he told me that I'm going to come and pray for you that you might see again, and then also be filled with the Holy Spirit. The rest of Paul's life is famous in history because his whole entire life was rerouted away from this kind of like, I want to kill to protect into this, I want to bring this message of the gospel to the entire world, right? His zeal, I want to say his zeal was rerouted towards a purpose of bringing the gospel to the world, My question for us, what does that mean for us to be rerouted in our zeal? What does it mean for us to have energy and enthusiasm for a a purpose or a cause that that gets changed from whatever it is that motivates, whatever is our greatest motivation, whatever is our greatest infatuation in life, and we all have different things that we love and different things that are are 
right and good, but are there things that take the place of our zeal for the gospel? Are there things that take the place for us loving the world and saying, hey, we want to bring this message of reconciliation with God to the world? What are those things that, that are hindering us from believing that and being released in that energy? I believe that God is saying, through this story, through the life of Paul, he's saying, I want to reroute your zeal. People of God, I want to encounter you for the sake of the world. I want to reroute your zeal so that you would be ones that bring the gospel to this world. Happens all the time in our ADS students' lives. I think of Gigi Marvin. Gigi spoke a few uh, weeks ago. She's on the USA hockey team, the last three Olympics, right? Phenomenal professional hockey player. Loves the Lord. She came and did ADS four years ago. She basically had a, a year break from hockey because she was injured. And so she said, hey, I want to jump in with ADS. She had shared the gospel before, but something happened in Gigi's life during ADS. And let me tell you, that girl has got some zeal. That girl has some energy and enthusiasm for sharing the gospel now. And, it, and it, she had it before, but something channeled in her that said, I want this to get out. I want this to get out to the whole world. My life is not just about my career anymore, but it's saying, I want to I use my career in order to bring the gospel to the world. And she's done that. Phenomenal example. Elaine Norcross is another example of a, an ADS student. She had never shared the gospel basically before joining ADS. And then learned, she, she has a story of healing and restoration through addiction. And she basically now is this like crazy evangelist saying, hey, I believe that Jesus heals us from addictions. I believe that Jesus can, can change your life. And now that's her message to the world. She brings it everywhere she goes. She's taken her personal testimony and said, this is for other people. How does God want to reroute your zeal? Ask him that. Because God wants to encounter you for the sake of the world. God wants to reroute your focus in life so that your focus is, is always moving towards the gospel being going forth into the world. Okay, second story. That's the first story. This is the second story. This is the story about Peter. So again, a famous story. Maybe you've heard of it. Acts 10, Peter and Cornelius. All right, this story has two main characters. First is Peter. Second is this guy named Cornelius. And both of them represent larger people groups. So Peter represents the Jewish faith. P Peter represents the early Christianity inside this, this Jewish uh, sect, basically. Second character is Cornelius, and he represents the world. He's this Roman army officer. He represents the, the again, Rome was in charge of that area. They were, they were the dominant, uh, you know, what, what is it called? They were the empire. They were the empire there. And they, they were basically the world. And so these two characters are so significant because what we see from this story is that now this sect of, of Judaism, Christianity, they were now going to be willing to, and able to take this to the rest of the world, which they had never done before. So here's the story. Cornelius is praying to God one day. An angel comes to him and tells him, hey, Cornelius, what you're doing is good. But you don't fully understand what you're doing. You need to go talk to this guy named Peter. Call him, bring him to your house, and he's going to explain to you. He's going to share with you a message. The same time, Peter is in this house praying up on the roof. And he goes into this trance. And basically this sheet drops down from heaven. And it's got a bunch of animals in it that he's not allowed to eat because of the Jewish dietary laws. And so a voice comes to Peter and says, Peter, go ahead and eat this. 
Peter, eat these animals. And Peter says, no, no, I can't do that. That's, a, that's against what I believe. I can't, I'm not allowed to do that. They're unclean. Jesus again comes and says, Peter, I'm giving you these. You can eat these. Peter says, no, 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 no. Does it a third time. And he kind of wakes up from his trance. Downstairs, knock, 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 knock. Some of Cornelius' guys come to the door and say, hey, Peter, are you willing to come with us to meet this guy named Cornelius? Spirit tells Peter, go for it. So Peter goes with him to Cornelius' house. This is what Peter says. Once he enters Cornelius' house, he says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Then he, conclu- he has this conclusion he says this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. This is a turning point in the history of the church. This is, this is when the church first, this is when the church finally says, okay, this isn't just a Jewish religion anymore. This now is going to be a church that goes over the entire world. We're going to actually now live out that Genesis 12 mandate to bless all nations. We're going to live out what Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Now we're actually going to go do this. Later on in Acts, Peter goes to all the apostles and tells them the story of going to Cornelius' house and it says, guys, we got to share this with everybody now. God encountered Peter and confronts This deep-seated racism that was in his life for the sake of the world. No man is unclean or impure. God does not show favoritism. This gospel is for all peoples and all nations, regardless of race or ethnicity. Now, I was trying to think, what what was a story from a a student that we had that had a similar experience? And, And this... Uh, picture or this uh, story, I was, I was reminded of a girl last year. Her name was Debbie. You guys remember Debbie? She came here to Anak Brighton for a few years. She's from Indonesia, and she has a powerful, powerful story of God confronting deep places of racism in her own heart that led to her actually sharing the gospel with others. So Debbie is a religious and ethnic minority in Indonesia. She's Chinese descent, and she's Christian living in a predominantly, on a Javanese island was the people group, and then predominantly a Muslim country. And so for her whole life, she was the brunt of so much racism, so much looking down on because you are other, because you're not really Javanese, and because you're Muslim. And so for years and years and years, basically her whole life while living in Indonesia, her and her church, it was a bit of a, hey, we, we, have to, we have to stay strong as, as like us. And there wasn't much interaction between the church and Muslims. There wasn't much of an aspect of, hey, let's go share this, this faith with others. Of course, there were ramifications for them doing that. There were tons of reasons and dynamics of why that was the case. But what it taught in Debbie's life, and she expressed this openly to us as a class, and she was like, I, I would never share the gospel with a Muslim in, in Indonesia. That, that just, I, I don't do that. Why would I do that? They, don't, they would never believe. And so it was so awesome to see over the course of the year, as she started to share the gospel for the first time here in Boston, she was like, oh man, I, I actually like doing this. I like telling other people about Jesus. And man, she was such a sweet, gentle girl, and people would listen to her. 
And they love to hear Debbie's story of, of, of how God did powerful things in her life. And then Leslie, myself, and Acacia, who all lived in Muslim nations for a few years, we share with her, hey, you can actually do this with, with Muslims as well. And we taught her ways that she can share the gospel with Muslims. But she was still like, I don't even know if I want to do this. But it was so beautiful to see over the course of the year her grow and her willingness. And one of the key things for her was just to, she felt like she, she was brought to a place of really forgiving other Muslims for the racism that she had experienced, but then also asking for forgiveness as she had looked down upon that other race, right? There was deep-seated racism in her that she had to deal with. And now the beautiful thing about Debbie is that she's gone back now to Indonesia. She's joined an Antioch church planting team that's in Indonesia, and she's one of the major leaders in Engage the Islands, which is Antioch's movement-wide all of our trips are going to Indonesia, and she's going to be one of the major trainers. It is just amazing to see in one year what God has done in this woman's life. Confronted deep things in her. Encountered her for the sake of the world. And that's my message today. That's what I want to communicate. Is that God wants to encounter every single one of you in a specific personalized way to deal with something that you have in your life that's hindering you from being that light to our world, for hindering you from, from, from impacting the world that's around you. And so we're going to just do a short response right now. It's not going to be a band. It's, you can sit right there, and I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer that I want you guys to pray. This is also a prayer that I want you to take this week with you. It's a simple prayer, and this is one I've been trying to pray myself. God, Encounter me for the sake of, and ask the Lord, what, where does he want to encounter you? For the sake of who? Is it for the sake of your family? Is it for the sake of your neighborhood? Is it for the sake of your city? Is it for the sake of your workplace? God wants to encounter you in a specific way. So let's pray right now. I'm just going to pray. Ask God that personally right now. Ask him to come and speak. Lord, I am believing I was praying this week, and I just felt like you were saying, while you're speaking, I'm going to be speaking to people. I'm going to be bringing beautiful conviction to people's hearts of areas of their life where either they need to reroute their zeal, where their energy and enthusiasm needs to switch to saying, hey, I want, I, how can I infuse the gospel into my work? How can I infuse the gospel into my relationships with my neighbors? How can I, how can I bring this, this beautiful message of reconciliation with God into my life. And then also he's saying, I want to confront areas of people's lives that, that, that are deep places in their hearts of, of maybe it's unbelief, maybe it's racism, maybe it's sexism, maybe it's some kind of issue in your own heart that you're saying, I need this out of my life. God, come and confront us right now. But confront us in a way that's loving and gentle because that's who you are. So I'm just going to pause, ask the Lord that, and I'm going to close this in prayer. God, come and encounter us for the sake of the world. Confront the areas of our lives that need to be confronted by you because we want to be part of your gospel going forth into all the nations of the world.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I, I believe that God spoke. I believe that he's a God who speaks. And I believe that you can take this simple prayer, bring it with you this week and say, how can I ask God to continually encounter me for the sake of the world that's around me? And then, as well, I want you to pray and think about, hey, what would it look like to join ADS? What would it look like to, to give myself 10 months of doing that in the midst of a community that's asking that same question every single time that we gather? God, come encounter us for the sake of the world.